upgrade or garbage can be old or new. It doesn't matter. That's true. There's no restriction. Ladies and dear ghouls, ah, consistency, Kai, consistency. Dear friends, listeners, friends of Trapo, people who don't follow us on Instagram. Welcome to Trapo they're listening the friends of the, sh- the trap the trapites the trappists dude yeah. trapits we're the traps trapites. you know we, I, what i need to do is take a, a good photo of like batista and just like fucking photoshop our faces <laughs> onto his traps <laughs> no i can't do that dear ghouls welcome Back. My life is like a fart right now. Everything is <laughs> collapsing like a fucking neutron star. This is bad news. Anyway, welcome to Trapple. I'm Dustin. I'm Kai. And uh, tonight, or today, or tomorrow, because, you know, we predict the future. I looked into my crystal ball, Carrie, or Kai, whatever the fuck your name is. <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert, he's Carrie and I'm Gore. And tonight is very scary because we're doing the good greater garbage on Trapo. The We're talking about music that nobody's ever going to listen to. That's not true. Somebody listened to this shit. I looked it up online. I thought it was good. That's good enough for me. That's the endorsement from like Rabbit Dick 537 on X, formerly known as Twitter. Tonight on Trapo, we're talking about music and the good greater garbage double feature. I think we're doing a double feature, kids, because uh, honestly, I don't know if there's enough material here to justify individual episodes for two albums. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, we have a little bit to say about a couple of albums that are good, great, or garbage. Turns out I have uh, a fair amount that I could say about my pick i did not know when i found this thing that it had relationships and connections i could talk about it you could talk about the color of the wall for three hours if you needed to i'm gonna talk about me stuff that's related to music that's the topic at hand but first on the exchange (laughs) (laughs) i watched five nights at freddy's three hours ago and i felt like killing someone because it was boring as fuck the kids are gonna love it the kids do love it. They love it, kind of. You know, like, what do you call it? What's, what's, what is it? what's the candy people like? Snickers? I'm going to say Snickers. But we're talking about music today, Carrie. Okay. Hey, man. Let's talk about Lord of the Rings tomorrow night on <laughs> Trumpo. That's right. We're talking about guns, Jesus, and right-wing politics on Trumpo. That's GGG. Jesus <laughs> and right wing politics. <laughs> I fucked up. Tonight on Trumpo, we're talking good reader garbage. It's a double feature. You know, we did a, we did a double feature before, but we, we fucked up because it was three things. I think someone called us on that in the uh, in the comments, and that was in a mailbag. It's a double feature because it was an EP exchange and a movie review. So that's the double feature. Today, it's a good, greater garbage double feature. Whatever they are, we're talking about music, which is what we do yeah, most of the time on Chapel, but it's different now. That's right. Do you want to go first? You no, I'm going to go first. I'm gonna, I'll go first. Okay, so we got this thing happening here over in Trap Town. Good Greater Garbage isn't necessarily new music. It's just whatever comes along. And maybe it's not brand new. Like, it didn't come out two weeks ago from the recording. But yeah, this is this is recent music. 2023 releases. Like, it's not the new music showcase. It's the Good Greater Garbage recent music showcase. <laughs> Since this is Good Greater Garbage and not a new music showcase, a poll is not guaranteed. We're not going to come out and say, oh, well, vote in the poll. Like, we don't know where it's going to go. That's only if we disagree, right? That's if we disagree and one of us feels strongly enough to want to make a poll. New Music Showcase is the poll's mandatory. This is basically up to us. And tonight on Good Greater Garbage, we're starting off with an album from 2023. It's not black metal, but it's black metal adjacent from an artist called Victory Over the Sun. And the album is Dance You Monster to My Soft Song. the whole thing no i have to admit right off the bat when i discovered this music uh literally last week i saw the name victory over the sun 
and because I'm a goddamn weirdo, I, I thought Victory Over the Sun. Holy shit. This is a musical, like a black metal adaptation of the 1913 Russian futurist opera Victory Over the Sun. <laughs> Somebody else knows this exists and decided to make a, a black metal album out of it. Something a black metal artist would do. Yeah, but that's that's not what this is. First off, Victory Over the Sun is the name of the quote band, and the name of the album is Dance You Monster to My Soft Song. I keep forgetting because, once again, much to my shock and surprise, I actually know what that is. Dance You Monster to My Soft Song is a painting from an artist named Paul Klee. He's, he was Swiss. He was a Swiss artist. It was 1922, I think. You could look it up. It's a great title. I was wondering, because Victory Over the Sun is, is a very specific phrase. It is, in fact, the name of an opera that was staged, I think, St. Petersburg in 1913. The world was teetering on the brink of World War One. The Great War. I'm going to say, do you know anything about the futurist movement? A little bit. I studied it at some point in one of my classes, but it was a long time ago. Futurism is one thing. Russian futurism. Yeah, I remember Russian futurism was like a branch that turned into its own weird fucking thing. Many of the architects of the Russian futurist movement were actually involved with the creation of Victory Over the Sun. And I was fascinated when I first learned about Victory Over the Sun because if I had to write these names down, I know that I would fuck the names up if I tried to pronounce them just like out of memory. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the names of the, of the individuals who actually created Victory Over the Sun. The libretto was written by Alexei Krushnik or Kruchnik. The music was composed by Mikhail Mitushin, which is unfortunately lost. Most of the actual music he composed, the sheet music, doesn't exist. So there have been restagings of the operetta in recent years. They've had to make up music that they think fits. They don't know what the fuck the original music was. The costumes and sets, spare as they were, were designed by Kazimir Malevich. Kazimir Malevich is actually an incredibly famous artist in his own right. The reason why the name Alexei Krushnik is important is because he was one of the uh, he and Malevich were both uh, architects of the futurist movement in Russia. Alexei Krushnik was one of the architects of Zaum along with a, a fellow poet named Vilimir Plebnikov. These two were the primary uh, forces behind Zaum, which is a uh, Russian poetic form. The opera Victory Over the Sun, the libretto was written in Zaum. And Zaum is basically a gibberish language based on Russian as a root. The way that Zaum is constructed, you take the word, any word, and you break it down into its uh, foundation, its base sound form. It becomes gibberish. It's just a sound. The whole point of Zaum is to remove the perceived meaning of a word and of a sentence. And when the word becomes supposedly meaningless, then you can discover, and this is where a lot of people just get lost, once you remove the perceived meaning of the word and you're left with the base sound, the foundation of the word, you're meant to be able to find a deeper, more universal meaning. This is the foundation of language, the sounds that create language overall, not just in Russian, but in every language. That is what Zaum is. Sound symbolism, it gets really esoteric. This is something I got into a long time ago, but it doesn't really matter. The point is, the people who created Zaum as a poetic form were trying to reach for something sublime in their own way. Klebnikov, in particular, had an idea in his head Zaum could be the root of a universal language. He was one of the architects of the Futurist Movement, and this was part of the Futurist Movement. Humanity is united under one cause, under one identity, with one language. These guys are dreamers, Kai. Keep Obviously, that in mind. Yeah. If they could unite all of humanity in some utopian ideal, we'd all be speaking one language. And that language would be Zaum. Now, unfortunately, for Westerners, or for any foreigners for that matter, Zaum is uniquely Russian. It is based entirely on the Russian language. So any outsider who has no knowledge of the Russian language, if you hear someone just speaking Russian, it might as well be Zaum to you. It doesn't matter. Without context, it all sounds the same to an outsider. So it's hard for Zaum to translate 
to an outsider audience because it is uniquely Russian. One thing that I have noticed, I could draw an indirect correlation to the cut-up technique popularized by the beat poets. They take existing texts, they destroy them basically and resurrect them in unique structures. That's what Zaum is. This is just a different way of doing it. But there is a modern correlation that is more direct. The musical work of uh, Marina Herlop. Lyra Pramik. That's what the heart of their musical composition is now. It's just the sounds, the bass sounds of language. And so if you want to try to find a modern version of Zaum, you can listen to their work, and that's pretty much what it is. It's just more universal because it's divorced from any specific language. So it's actually more inclusive than traditional Zaum. If you don't know anything about Victory Over the Sun, the opera, and this is why I think it actually fits with black metal, with the aesthetic of black metal. Basically, the core of the opera is this new, strong version of mankind. They tear the sun, literally tear the sun from the sky and entomb it. They take the sun, put it in a grave. The world is plunged into an eternal night. That's how the opera basically starts. Now, if you're a black metal artist and you hear that bare description like well shit that is black metal Mm -hmm. death to the fucking sun in victory over the sun the sun represents the old world it's an idealized version of the old world it's antiquated and when you remove the sun this is the modern human being taking control of the world ushering in a new age that's what victory over the sun represents much to my surprise because i don't know i I didn't know anything about this artist and her name is vivian talencio i believe she was inspired by victory over the sun the russian futurist opera not just as a title because she was inspired by the futurism of the opera she actually knows what she's talking about i mean she doesn't she's not a black metal person which i found very interesting she prefers classical music and avant-garde classical music her major touchstone for black metal is liturgy she has said before is probably her favorite her favorite band like obviously you know liturgy isn't exactly looked upon by black metal purists as a (laughs) yeah Read the comments in our Black Summer post. That's her touchstone for black metal. She does not like it when people call her music black metal. She prefers the term avant-garde metal. That's what it is, really, because there's so much else happening in this music. There's prog rock, there's prog metal, there's elements of jazz. I mean, there's synthwave, which surprised the hell out of me. But she also touches on 20th century poetry, which, once again, kind of threw me for a fucking loop. There's a lot happening in this music that I think is actually quite interesting. I found found this thing randomly victory over the sun that sounds cool like that opera i always wanted to see that no one would ever put on in wichita because no one's ever going to put on a 1913 russian futurist opera in wichita they're never gonna do it i have to watch it on youtube not coming to town and much to my chagrin the last track on the album black heralds the text of it is taken entirely from a poem of the same name by uh, cesar vallejo who was a peruvian poet that's just one of the points of interest that she transforms into music with this solo project of hers and that's the thing that i find very exciting is that this is a solo project there are a few guest artists that she brings into the music throughout but this is basically one person if you want to say it has any connection to black metal you've got blast beats and you have the harsh vocals I mean, she admits herself in interviews, she can't really sing, so this is the only way she can deliver vocals. That's your shortcut. And then you can actually hear, if you listen to this more than once, you can hear the complexity in the guitar riffs, in this music, the layers. of this music is just one person basically alone in their house putting this shit together once again we've talked about this before but this is the way so many artists are making music they're doing it on their own and they're doing it incredibly well because this sounds like a studio recording this is what people can do that's that's just what music sounds like now you can't tell can't tell anymore you got people they're in a major studio they've got a producer and a mixer they have an engineer and then you have one lady in her house with a computer and a bunch of instruments there's a comparison Defacing God. They were a band in a studio 
with all of that, they had a producer, they had a mixer, they had an engineer. Listen to any any track from The Resurrection of the Lord. And then listen to any track from Dance You Monster to My Soft Song, which is still one of the best album titles in the world. The production value here, it's on par. This is one talented young woman by herself making music. I have this weird old-fashioned mind. So like, how the fuck are you doing this? This is like black magic to me. This is insane. I, I'm gobsmacked every time I hear something like this and then I read a little bit of backstory. It's like, no, I'm just doing it in my house. I'm doing what at your house? Everything? No, yeah, everything. Wow. Are you a fucking right. wizard? It would be one thing if it was like a uh, singer-songwriter kind of thing where it was like vocals and a guitar. Maybe you got a drum machine. It's like when you hear someone say, oh, uh, I made it at home by myself. But then you listen to this and you're like, holy shit. It sounds like a full orchestral fucking black metal band shredding your face. But uh, you're yeah, telling me it's just this one this, this one lady? Trying to explain it to me. But one it's layer at a time. Sense. The part to me that having not made music but having made other art is how does your brain come up with all of those parts? It's like the using sounds as colors to make a picture. I don't know what those fucking colors, I don't know how to use those paints, <laughs> but I love your art. I don't know how you did it because you're the only one who did it and it looks cool. Being and able to imagine how all of those layers come together. If you listen to, I, I didn't watch all of it, but I just saw part of the Beatles documentaries where they're making songs and then they make a little adjustment and you're like, oh, it kind of sounds like that song but it's not quite there yet. And they play with it and they talk to each other. Doing that by yourself seems like even more impressive and difficult, but also maybe as an artist, a little more easy because it doesn't fucking matter what someone else said. You just yeah, adjust that button one. by yourself. It's not like how do you put all those pieces together? How do you make the pieces to put together? You think of all the disparate elements that come together to create any one of these songs. How the fuck did you do that? How the fuck do you have the imagination? These songs don't just incorporate a guitar, drums, and vocals. You have a saxophone, you have a trumpet, you have an accordion, you have a synthesizer. You have other elements that come into this. Yeah. And how do you sit down and imagine how these other elements sound that don't exist yet when you're trying to create one layer. You're just trying to create one layer of guitar when you're actually multi-tracking. You have a 16-minute song that opens this album. Yeah, I was going to say, a third of the album is the first song. 16 minutes is an EP on its own. And that's the first track, Thorn Woos the Wound. And you imagine how many elements, how many layers are in that one track. <laughs> elements to put them together in order for them to sound like one coherent song how the fuck do you do that what kind of level is your brain working on it actually makes sense at the end and i think that's my limitation that's me right because her brain works differently a multi-instrumentalist artist who can make music like this it would not make sense to me their explanation unless they tried to really dub it down it's kind of the same way like how did someone come up with a recipe for beer or wine how did they right. know that just those because you know what if you use the wrong berry it's gonna fucking poison and kill you you're fucking dead and maybe a lot of people had to die to figure that out and i really want to honor them right now first it started with the guitar and, oh that didn't work then she tried it with just a cello maybe a bass then a whole fucking string quartet no oh, yeah but now you can do that with the button you don't have to know the whole string quartet you don't have to be like no hold on hold on we need to bring everybody back in because i want to try it with the whole band you would have had to be a major artist the studio would give you whatever you want however you wanted it in order to do that whereas now this lady could just flip buttons and be like no that's not quite right let me try it and we add the cello in here oh there we go and put these pieces together right away one person with an ear for music can fucking make whatever they want that's exciting this is an exciting yeah. age we're living in the music itself 
it got under my skin. I see something that says victory over the sun and you have this weird album art grasping ghost hands looking for a key. I don't know what the fuck that is. It looks cool. I don't know what it is. I also have no idea what to expect from that. So what is it? This label says black metal. What the fuck does that even mean anymore? This goes in a completely different direction. There are moments when it goes beyond the nihilism of black metal and actually becomes something more, you call it triumphant. There's an ecstasy to it that goes beyond nihilism and cruelty. Those elements are here. And in fact, the album ends on a very nihilistic note. There's a triumphant element to it. And Madeline becoming Judy. The song actually ends with hope. The way the music rises. It's like a sunrise. whole journey and then in the last 90 seconds the music changes complexion and suddenly you feel like a sunrise i don't i don't know how the hell you accomplish that but you do and then right after that the conclusion of the album black heralds is a descent into hell it's 10 minutes of hell i was so genuinely shaken by the way it comes together it really fucked me up i mean i'll be i just said the lyrics are all they're adapted from the uh from a poem by uh cesar vallejo the black herald sent to us by death when she says the word death she spits the word out it is accompanied by a sustained note that i can only describe as madness <laughs> Her voice starts to distort, and you hear screaming, and you hear snarling, and the note becomes discord. It starts to break apart. It's like the world disappears beneath your feet. It's a free fall. You're falling into the abyss. The rest of the song is that. It's just this descent into an unending darkness. And it's really fucked up. And I was genuinely surprised at how fucked up that was. It gets quiet. It gets it gets still. But in that stillness, it becomes almost more disturbing. This goes beyond black metal. This isn't just black metal. This is something else. You have definite doom in there. There's drone, some kind of existential dread. I hate to use the term black metal in this because it feels reductive. I feel like that, well, that this moment, Marge Simpson and the Simpsons just holding up a potato. I just think they're neat. Mom, you're always trying to give me potatoes. What is it with you? I just think they're neat. I just <laughs> think it's neat. The way Black Heralds builds to this crescendo when she spits out the word death, and then the world just dissolves, and you just fall into hell. You get to the end of it. The music breaks away, and all you hear is her voice when she screams the words, I don't know, and her voice breaks at the end. that's it you're left with that moment of nihilistic desperation that's great what a cool way to end this the previous track has so much hope in it and then when you get to the end of black herald it's like no man you're in hell this is where we live now this is it and you want to think about the ethos of black metal even though she doesn't like to describe her music that way oh fuck that's it man black heralds is it it's such a great way to end all of this because of that i just think the whole album is really cool wheel is really cool there is there's eroticism in there but it's like erotic horror the way uh she screams those lyrics it's like i always wanted to be bound by form i always wanted to submit to function i love the way she says the word described in lustful radii <laughs> And bear your weight on my eager neck and bear your plenary soul in the hollow of my throat. Basically, I want to be a cog in your fuck machine in the worst
worst way. And she deliberately makes the music as ugly as possible because it is not a desirable form of love. It's obsession and cruelty. I want to be used. It's not something that is meant to be, oh, this is an aspirational story. No, no, no. It's rotten and it's destructive, but it's also weirdly transcendent in a horrifying way. How interesting is that? There's a lot going on in this music and I just think it's really cool. Now, if you just listen to the music the first time and you don't know the words, you're not going to understand 90% of what she's screaming. So I had to look it up. I was on her band camp. I bought the album. I had to buy it. The problem is, if there's music I really like, I want a physical artifact. That's just the way I'm, I'm built. Right. Digital only for something that I, I genuinely I have a connection to. I don't I don't like digital only. But You know, one she, thing I found music that I really, really like, if it's digital... I forget about it. But I, if I have a physical piece of it, I will come back to it and it will be more ingrained in me. Because there's a couple albums even that we've talked about for Trapo. I only listened to digitally. And then a year later, I was like, oh my God, that was my favorite album. And I haven't listened to it since we recorded that episode. <laughs> Blight Witch Regalia. There's a CD version available on uh, on her band camp. And I had to buy it. I don't listen to CDs. I already own the digital copy. But I had to buy the CD because it was the only physical version of it I could buy and it was relatively cheap because I felt like I needed the physical artifact of the music there's no physical version of this and I don't know if there will be a physical version you could categorize this generally as black metal if you wanted to but in my view it's too progressive it's too multifaceted to just be called black metal that's putting this music in a box and it shouldn't be in that box there's a little too much synth for it to truly just be a pure black metal if you wanted to be a purist by that if you were making broad strokes and someone said hey this is black metal and i listened to this i'd be like yeah okay again you and i don't really care about those labels quite as deeply as some people do some people would say this is a black metal did you hear all that fucking shit yeah i did that's why it's great fuck you yeah yeah, i did it was fucking awesome you said the synth well when you get to that point in madeline becoming judy it's three minutes in when that fucking synth hits it's like a space western and it's great it's like i'm in hyperspeed now you become a completely different song completely different texture all five of these songs go through some a transformation like that where they change at least two or three times yeah they transform it's something that even now i don't quite have a handle on it but i've seen so many different sides of it so many different aspects of this creature i have seen illuminated by shafts of light in the darkness it's inscrutable this is the kind of music where sometimes like i don't know if, I, I don't know if i'm in the mood for this but it turns out i'm I, I i'm always in the mood for this our um exploration into black metal for our black summer also helped me look at some music similar to that a little bit more uh, objectively whereas some of this stuff i would have just listened to the few seconds i've been like whatever it's metal now i think i have a little better appreciation for it also have you ever heard music hyperventilate before because that's that's what's happening at sometimes times yeah. in this album this music is hyperventilate there's so much weird energy in this shit it feels like the music is having a breakdown every single track goes through a a transformation at least one sometimes several before they reach their conclusion the normal length tracks obviously they have one or two the 17 minute opening track has three or four different songs within it i just think it's neat i just think they're neat it's an evolving beast in the darkness i think uh dance you fucker (laughs) (laughs) dance you motherfucking monster dance you monster to my soft song from victory over the sun i'm gonna i'm just gonna say i think it's great for me this shit is phenomenal i was amazed because it was a complete surprise to me i took a chance over because that weird album art this is seven different things in one and i'm just three minutes in so yeah this completely shocked me because i had no idea what this was i had no idea who vivian trilinska was and i was like wow she knows how to make music she's got four other albums out there under this uh well technically three under uh victory over the sun and she's got one other 
album under a name I refuse to pronounce because I know I will fuck it up. So I'm not even going to try. The poem, The Black Heralds, that uh, Cesar Vallejo wrote, she changed some of the words because she wanted them to uh, hit differently. Now there's a word in the original poem, it's just cracklings. These gory blows, which once again, these gory blows are the cracklings of a bread that burns at the oven's door. In the music, in the actual album version of the song, she changed the line to those blood-soaked blows are crepitations from bread burning at the oven door. The funny thing about the word crepitation, there are two definitions. The first definition is essentially crackling. So it's the same word, basically, as it was in the original. But the second definition of the term crepitation is a very specific thing. And that specific thing is the acidic discharge from a specific kind of beetle. It basically shits acid. The change of the word from crackling specifically to crepitation, it doesn't make any sense if you try to use the secondary definition. But I just like the idea that there are two definitions to this very specific word and one of them means something completely fucking different. If you are somehow familiar with the word crepitation and you only know it as the acidic discharge from the abdomen of a fucking beetle and you hear that in this song you're like what the fuck does that have to do with anything? There's like one person who hears this and is confused because they don't get they don't like what the fuck? Shitting acid and bread? I'm sorry. I just think that's very funny but it's funny to me because I'm a fucking idiot. Those negros head out of those the actual uh, poem is really cool. He was a Peruvian man, Cesar Vallejo. He moved to France and died in France. He died of malaria. She was obsessed with his poetry. She had this mission to turn some of his poetry to set it to, to music. And she set it to some of the most fucked up music I've ever heard. <laughs> That was a great thing to me. Some of the coolest music I've heard in a long time. Victory Over the Suns, Dance You Monster to My Soft Song. The uh, uh, Melovich, Kazimir Melovich, designed the costumes and the uh, the minimal sets for Victory Over the Sun for the, for the opera. I, I mentioned that he was artistic genius. One of his backdrops for Victory Over the Sun is basically the progenitor of the Black Square. 1913, 1915, he created the first Black Square. The Black Square he saw as, and this is what I love about the Black Square, it's a Black Square. What's so special about a fucking black square? Malovich's painting, The Black Square, has been called one of the defining moments, if not the defining moment, in the history of modern art culture. He himself saw The Black Square as the zero point, the alpha and omega of artistic expression. I've also seen some shit at a modern museum. It was a solid, clear acrylic box, and someone had an explanation about how it was a commentary on consumerism and a bunch of other shit. Yes, it is just a clear a clear plastic box it's just it's just a box it's just a black square people nowadays if if you're not like into the art world you're not trying to learn about the art world you don't understand what the black square is i mean you can look it up online melovich is the black square it's there and it's a black square it's what it says on the tin it's a black square but the thing about the the black square is nobody had done that before he first exhibited it at a futurist exhibition. The first time he showed it, with all of his other works, in Russian Orthodoxy, religious icons are hung as high as you can put it on a wall. When you're genuflecting, you're meant to be looking upward. You're meant to be gazing at the heavens. And so when you look at an icon, when you're praying, you don't want that icon to be at eye level. It represents divinity. So when he first exhibited the black square, he made sure in this exhibition that the black square was hung in that place of reverence on the wall, Russian Orthodoxy, where a religious icon would be hung. It was a deliberate and provocative act on his part. This is the most important thing you can see here. And it really pissed a lot of people off. I just think that's great. This motherfucker did that on purpose, and that's fucking phenomenal. There are a lot of kind of renegade artists who, you know what, it doesn't have to be perfect. It can have some fucking crusty edges, and that's okay too. And they were like, fuck you, man. You should make it look like real life. And they're like, no, No, I'm going to draw, fuck you, I'm going to draw a square. And people are going to think it's great. 
and you're going to be I mean, so pissed. I mean, that's what Dadaism was. It was art saying, fuck you, art. And it was inherently absurd. Dadaism has been embraced by the mainstream. I think any real Dadaist in the 1920s, if they saw that they had pieces hanging in museums around the world, they'd be fucking pissed. Everything that they were pushing against as an art form, but just the idea of famous Dadaist works are held in the same regard, and, and are actually, you can find Dadaist works in the fucking Louvre. That's not what they would have wanted. It, you know, again, well, guess what? They're fucking dead. What they want doesn't matter, does it? Their work is amazing. I exhibit it in the best possible place. This is the way the world works, Kai. The subversive arts basically created as a middle finger to the establishment, to the bourgeoisie. Guess what? The bourgeoisie are walking through those museums every day, gazing at this art and thinking, I ain't so great. That's yeah. it. I think it's worthwhile because every now and then someone will come across one of those pieces of art who has no idea what it is. They just see it for the first time right there and it will stir something in their soul. It will make contact with a part of themselves that they didn't even, they may not have even known existed. And that will send them on a path that will change their life. The random encounter with a fucking painting in a museum that they had no idea was there when they turned the corner. I think that even though a lot of those artists, their hackles might raise if they were to know that this is where their art will be displayed in the future. I think it's worth it in the end because it will change people's lives. And that's the most important part because the art does find its audience. I don't know why we're going off on this and we should be talking about music, but you know. Anyways, uh, you give it a great, I was on the fence between good and great, but I think you swayed me a little bit. I think I have to agree with you. It was pretty great. I guess this makes sense when I was talking about the art at a museum because that's what happened to me. I stumbled upon this shit with no preconceptions and then I listened to it and it fucking blew me away. It just hit me like a hammer between my eyes. Dance you monster to my soft song by Victory Over the Sun has been certified great by the Trappel Brain Trust, which means, motherfuckers, motherfuckers, the important question has been asked and answered. Dance, you monster, to my soft song, has been officially inducted into Trappo's Trappo Essentials Canon. We gotta work on the branding, Kai. It's Trappo's Trappo Essentials Canon. <laughs> Tra- oh, yeah, we gotta double it up like that Halloween album. Halloween's <laughs> horror, Halloween sounds of Halloween. The Trappo Essentials Canon. Trappo's Trappo Essentials Canon. Congratulations. Congratulations to you, Vivian Tylinska. Our next album on this episode of Good Greater Garbage is DK01, DK period 01, by a band called Das Coolies. Coolies with a K. Best mind fuck yet. 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 I can't help you with those names. <laughs> yeah, I'll try it once at least. Q H U W Bunford Sian Siaran Daffy Lewin. Look, I'm gonna go ahead with that second name. The keyboardist. There's a, there's an actor, a character actor named Kieran Hines. It might be a hard C. Might be Kieran Kieran. Kieran Kieran. Daffy Lewin Guto Price. That's Price. That's or Price. These four dudes, uh, they basically make up the band, a previous incarnation called Super Furry Animals. They have been a band since 1993. These fellas are all from, from Cardiff. They're Welsh. The drummer's name is Daft. D-A-F-Y-D-D. Daffied. These guys were part of Super Furry Animals, which was kind of like a... The last independent ruler of Wales is named Daffid Eb Griffith. Yeah. I hit the names, like, look up, see if I could see if I find a way to pronounce it. I know Griffith... Yeah, it's kind of like David, but it's Daffid. It might be David, because I know Griffith is Griffith. Oh, it's it's Davith. Yeah, Davith Griffith. Okay, I'm sorry. I just, I was getting kind of, that was kind of driving me nuts looking at that name. That's a lot of consonants. Hold on, I gotta figure this shit out. I'm so sorry, uh, all of you members of Das Coolies. We don't know how to pronounce your names. We're trying, but we're gonna fuck it up every single time. So uh, these fellas all grew up, kind of knew each other. Earlier incarnation of the band, the head actor Reese Ifans was actually the lead vocalist. But Wait, all Reese Ifans was a vocalist in Super Furry Animals. They were like a garage band at the time, oh. from what I could find out. He wasn't on any of their recordings. Oh, okay, all of okay. their professional career, it was a different Reese. It was a guy named Gruff Reese. Okay. Who also has a crazy name, Griffud, G R U F F U D D, or maybe Griffith. 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 That's 
that's Griffith, like you were just saying. You can't tell me that Reese Ephens or Reese Ifens was in this shit, and there's not a recording, not a single, like, the fucking Seagull, your dad's band, had something recorded on an 8-track once. 8-track! That we listened to for five minutes before the tape got eaten yeah, you, alive. You tell me not one of these motherfuckers put a cassette and hit record. Not one of them. That's like a gold. Maybe it's not a gold mine. It could be a pewter mine. But it'd be a pewter mine I'd like to delve into. This kind of musical idea kind of been brewing a long time. They'd kind of been making fucking weird crunchy beats and shit for people to dance to. This had kind of been brewing for a long time. They had an EP that came out called The Condemned. I think at the beginning of 2023. And then this album came out in September 2023. As often happens, there's some weird, interesting artwork on the cover as I was scrolling through. I think it was Bandcamp. An interesting thing also, there's several videos and in them, there's a physical manifestation of the album artwork. It just kind of wiggles around and the speakers are bouncing around to the song. That kind of caught my attention. But then the, the very first song, it's called Best Mindfuck Yet. Best Mindfuck Yet. Also caught my attention, for those of you who don't know, a quote from one of our favorite movies here at Trapo, 1990's Total Recall. I have to hand it to you. The best mindfuck yet. I'm not going to say it sounds at all like Arnold Schwarzenegger. It doesn't. I don't even necessarily know if it was a clip of that or someone else saying it that they remixed for it. Because it doesn't really sound like him saying it. But you can mix shit. You can do things in computers that change it enough that you would never fucking know. I couldn't call them and ask them. Total Recall is in the canon. Yeah, dear listener, it's in the canon. Robocop's in the canon. Starship Troopers is in the canon. It's all taken care of. Basically, the best mindfuck yet is used to make like a house dance party song. So there's a monologue in the middle, and I think that is actually by Rizifong. Tell me, what do you mean? What do you see? I saw it once on the desolate shore where the waves break from their fathoms. All was still, all was empty, all was impossible. He's credited for a part in that song, but I don't know if it's from a, one of the movies he's in. Yeah, featuring actor, former SFA frontman Reese Ifans on vocals. Listening to him on vocals, that means he probably just contributed to the song. Maybe he's the one who says best mindfuck yet. I don't know. Best mindfuck yet. That's the best mindfuck yet guy. Best mindfuck yet. The videos were made by Edwin Burtis, who also See, made videos for Arctic Monkeys. I have no opinion on the Arctic Monkeys. That's okay. Keep going. This album has kind of a uh, techno-driven beats throughout. Most of the songs sort of have a have a different style. It's a lot of interesting 80s and 90s inspired. Pain Down the Drain sounds like an 80s industrial song, dance song. I thought it sounded like a Muse song, which I found kind of frustrating. It's <laughs> like we- it weird. <laughs> strong similarity between those two songs i had a kind of a bone to pick with it because of that it felt like a, like someone was covering muse and didn't have the energy of muse it was half-assed muse is what you're saying yeah, yeah. like i want to hear now at this point because i know it's an original song from das coolies i'm like can we get muse to cover this and kind of give it that uh kick in the ass i'm not trying to slag or anything i just think that was very uh that was a very specific case for me you can groove to it for sure yeah kind of the through line is they all have a kind of groovy dance space you were mentioning about the uh early album how the fuck do people figure out these particular sounds layered in this way is gonna sound like a cool ass song or is this a A field recording of percussive strikes on metallic structures around wales capital city that make their way onto the record how do you know that smashing something with a hammer is gonna make a cool sound turn that into the beat of a song my brain
brain does not work that way. They're out there just recording anything that sounds at all interesting, and then they mm-hmm. they store those recordings just in case. And they and when they're actually putting music together, when they're building something, they go back to the net. They their see what's in there. It's like maybe I could use this and stitching all this stuff together. And sometimes it makes magic. Sometimes it doesn't. But sometimes it does. At those occasions, there's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just right place, right time. In this situation, there's a couple of people and a producer working together. Whereas in the other situation, it's one person. There's pluses and minuses to both situations. You know, being able to throw ideas off someone else can be really helpful and help you move along. But it can also create arguments and shit. Obviously, this band was together for 30 fucking years. They know how to work together. Two of them, I don't remember which two, took on the lead vocal duties on a lot of it. I'm tired of these fucking lead singers. Let's just do this shit ourselves. We know we can get along well. Because we've talked about some albums that had similar sounds and they were not quite as successful. It just didn't sound as good. You may not like this music, but it's well done. It's well put together. Some bass lines inspired by a 300-year-old composition from Henry Purcell. Just kind of weird, interesting shit that makes the music interesting and different and that's what i fucking love about finding something new and not knowing what it is uh that is the basis of good greater garbage is this anything i have no fucking clue I, let's reach out to the only other person who i could talk to about this shit does this asshole think this is good or not and then we'll find out half of the time we don't even have a definitive answer for ourselves but in this particular case i feel like this is a uh, a really good album i don't know if that's necessarily great but i thought it was pretty good they could have made the album not 78 minutes long <laughs> that's why i put a contention right now. yeah that was it for me cut four songs out i think it would have been i may have said it was great honestly it had a similar effect to me as uh, onyx the jackie extreme album oh, yeah. i i could not listen to this in one sitting i couldn't that's do true. it by the end you don't like it and if you kind of yeah. listen to it a little bit at a time you can appreciate it a little bit more two standard length albums in one it's just too much like alligator i like that song it's kind of goofy and silly and it's fun for track of the fucking album but it's way at the end of the album and by then i was kind of like meh and so i didn't like it as much so when i came back and i started in the middle well the end of the album's got some of the best parts it's so driving forward that if you're dancing in the club that's one thing but <laughs> i was just walking and listening to this too much of it bled together yeah it's not bad yeah i was grooving all... to the first track and then it was like the fifth track i i just love the ridiculousness of alligator it was kitsch It goes in a completely different direction, and it made me happy. I don't want to say the album is self-serious. It is not at all. But no. there is a sense of fun to the last 20 minutes of uh, of this record that I, mean, I think is missing in the first 60. Wired for Sound could have been like a 70s pop hit. We are I don't know that they could have made all of those sounds in a studio in the 70s necessarily. Uh, maybe, maybe not. They could have made something similar. But also, like you said, they're all a little different, but the, the thing that makes them all the same kind of wears on you after about 30 or 40 minutes. A little too much. Yeah. So that's why I would say overall it was pretty good. I will definitely keep Alligator in rotation. That's going to stay on my phone. I did not dislike a single track on the album. I can't say the same thing about anything else on it. I didn't hate any of it. Because it's not garbage. It is not garbage. But I wanted to say great there's some good imagination here it doesn't rise above good got some flashes of great the link holds it back we agreed on both interestingly enough that's true no polls this time so uh, you dear listener are out of luck However, you know how you know how they can get lucky, Dustin? Well, they can tell us how fucking wrong we are about either one of these albums, or both, if they want, by going to the official Trapo blog, TRA, PVO, show, go there, leave a comment, tell us what you think about, oh my god, I have to think of the name of the album again, tell us what you think about Dance You Monster to my soft song from Victory Over the Sun and DK.01 by Das Coolies 
Oh my god, my brain is broken. Anyway, tell us what you think about both of these albums. Tell us why we're wrong to put Victor over the sun in the canon, and we're wrong not to put DK.01, whatever the fuck it's called, not in the canon. Tell us why we're pieces of shit, because we, we have bad taste in music. You know what? Fuck you. How about that? And we're still waiting for your grandma's secret recipes. We're still waiting for you to email them to us at traposhow at gmail.com. We're going to have recipe one. We did actually, I mean, Trapo Toilet is real and we oh, have been no, waiting no. there's uh, no fake in that there's no fake in that <laughs> there's a you can in the oh never mind ladies dear listener send us an email uh, look you just heard a beep we just fast forwarded to the future you're never gonna know what the fuck we were just talking about <laughs> send us an email leave us some comments on the blog we're on blue sky and instagram no one talks to us on instagram but somebody talks to us on blue sky and we see all the time it's a great place to go twitter is a is a cesspool of Nazi filth, but Blue Sky is all uh, in Magic the Gathering. It's the best place in the world. Just what was it called? Good Bit of Garbage Double Feature? We, we had a good time. I had a good time rambling about music that fucking apart. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on the show that talks about stuff on purpose. And next time we're going to be talking about some bullshit. You won't even remember. What do they have to do, Kai? What do they do now? Get the fuck off the internet. That's fair enough. <laughs> So that's the problem. Josh Hutcherson is the star of Five Nights at Freddy's. He's our lead, and he is an incredibly boring human being just a real bag of wet bread a <laughs> fucking beige wall he tries bless his heart he's trying to act he's a lead so that's a problem you got matthew lillard he's in this movie for five fucking minutes he knows what he's doing he knows what kind of movie this is he's having a good time the animatronics drag him off with a meat hook and they put him in a closet and say you're gonna bleed out you piece of shit and that's what happens to him he'll be in a sequel the, the Revenge of whatever the fuck his name is. I don't know his name. Matthew Lillard. His name is Matthew Lillard. That's, his, that's the character's name. My dad, Matthew Lillard, owned Freddy Fazbear's and killed a bunch of kids and stuffed their skeletons and the fucking robots. Why? I don't know. Perfect place to hide until they start to stink, I guess. They didn't fucking answer that question. It's Jimmy's birthday. And... Mommy, why does Freddy Fazbear smell like a rotten corpse? They don't mention that. You don't hide fucking little kid corpses and fucking robots that are walking around and playing guitar in front of little kids at their birthday. You don't do that. You bury them in the, in the woods you didn't need that all you needed was oh my god i gotta have a job so i can keep a roof over my fucking 10 year old sister's head who isn't my daughter even though she could have easily just been my 10 year old daughter but we gotta overcomplicate things by making her my sister even though i'm 30 some parents have kids later in life i understand that they could have just said it's my daughter it's my 10 year old daughter and she fucking hates me my aunt's gonna take her away (laughs) because she wants them big checks she can afford to pay for thugs to go break into a fucking haunted chuck e cheese you don't need fucking government checks you got money (laughs) you're rolling hundo